Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. Welcome to the radio show. Today we have something a little different. I am Mitch Plumquist, the Communications Director for the Diocese. And normally I sit in the Pews Kitchen. But today I'm behind a mic to interview Bishop Daly and Father Kyle Radkeested about the work of vocations promotion in Serbia. For those who don't know him, Father Radkeeste is the Diocesan Vocations Director, the parochial vicar at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lords, and Bishop's Liaison for Catholic Healthcare. Bishop Daly is, of course, our bishop, but his involvement with vocations work goes beyond the diocese church. As a priest in San Francisco, he served as the Archdiocesan Vocations Director from 2002 to 2011. During that time, he was also the president of Marin Catholic High School. He, served, he has served as the president rector of St. Patrick Seminary and University for a year while also serving as an auxiliary bishop in San Jose. He served as an Episcopal advisor to the National Conference of Diocesan Vocations Directors, and he served as a member of the USCCB's Committee on Clergy, Consecrated Life, and Vocations. He currently serves as the Episcopal Advisor for the Sarah Club USA. To start off the show, I'd like to ask both of you to share a brief version of your own vocational journey. When you first heard the Lord's call and the path you came there and today. Now, Bishop, if you'd like to go first. Sure. Um, I maybe have mentioned this before, but I can recall the time when I never thought about being a priest, and I specifically remember, I think in fifth grade, uh, a classmate of mine, a friend, uh, Ray Sedina, we were in grammar school together at Our Lady Visitation. We were learning how to be, at that time, we used the term, uh, we learned the altar boys in, in the end of fourth grade. Father Zolan was a great priest in the parish. And um, Sister Mary Agnes was our fifth grade teacher, and she asked us to, to draw um, you know, what we'd like to be, you know, and make a little explanation. Of course, in those days, uh, the big television show was the FBI, and of course, you want to be a baseball player, you want to uh, uh, be a businessman, whatever, the number of things that we would do. And my buddy says to me, you know, but priest also. So why would you want to be a priest? And he says, well, I don't know, I want to think I want to help people. He later went on to be a San Jose policeman, but I can remember then not ever thinking about priesthood. But then I fast-forwarded to... Um, summer going into the eighth grade they were painting the church and father mike burns who was uh, really a, a model in many ways of a, of a of a happy priest kind of a non-conformist but um, but a good priest always there for the people he tells uh, me and my uh, buddy bob Cynthia, we were both serving mass that because we're going to move to the convent the daughters of charity convent that um we um weren't needed to serve this weekday mass, summer mass, weekday, 5 p.m., which would be unheard of today at some times to get service. And we were in the convent chapel, and he says, I just need one of you, one of you to serve uh, the rest of the week. And for some reason, I said yes. I would say looking back when I became vocation director, <clears throat> that small yes back then uh, opened, I guess, maybe my heart to the Lord's call, and I wouldn't enter the seminary until after I graduated from USF. So that would have been uh, when I was 22, and at the time I was 13. So I, I think the example of my family, um, our involvement in, in, in the school, in the parish, the Daughters of Charity, the Christian Brothers when I was in high school, uh, at USF, uh, some of the Jesuit fathers, um, all of that, I think, 
played a significant role, but it was that moment when I said the small yes that I think enabled me to say the bigger yes. And uh, we did go, there was a vocation club that uh, we had mass once a month, and uh, there was a breakfast afterwards, and Sister Mora was a daughter of charity who had actually taught my mom in grammar school. She coordinated it, and I, we always were complaining why we had to go to mass you know, one other day a week, a month. But we went, and I'm sure that that laid the groundwork, uh, spending time with the Lord in the Eucharist. So that's a bit of a summary of it, but uh, I think the important details as I remember. Certainly. Thank you, Mitchell. So for me, I was very blessed to grow up in a faithful Catholic family, and they had sent me to Catholic school growing up in Pasco. So I was at St. Patrick's Grade School in Pasco, and in about second grade or so, that was really the first conscious time in my life in which I, one, learned the concept of vocation, and two, had a sense that maybe this idea of God's call in my life is actually leading me towards priesthood. And I would say the priest was very instrumental in that, was Father Rory Pitstick, who was newly ordained at the time and freshly serving at St. Patrick's. Today, I'm very grateful and, and glad to be able to call Father Pitstick a brother priest. Wonderful. And I know that it's not, it was not in any sense of the imagination straight shot into seminary from second grade, um, from the innocence of, of proposing that and, and being quite trusting, open with my parents, uh, being known among my peer group as the future priest. I knew I definitely had some struggles, uh, some questions in growing up. And into my college years, early college, that was a, an ongoing question. Where God was calling me. I had a sense He was calling me to help and serve. And by the time I was going into college, I ended up going to Gonzaga University, that I felt torn between medicine and priesthood, some, some call to service. But the sacrifice entailed by priesthood seemed to be very, rather difficult. Um, I wouldn't note this, normally I don't mention this in my vocation story, but <clears throat> since we just uh, recently had the 20th anniversary of 9 11, I'd share a a vocation piece that actually drew from that uh, that event. And I recall being at Bishop White Seminary my freshman year of college, and in the seminary was a vocation poster that was produced, and it had three pithy phrases. Fear nothing, give everything, be a priest. And prominently displayed in the center there was the image of Father Michael Judge, uh, his lifeless body, rather, being carried out to the debris from 9-11 by the by the FDNY um, firefighters, uh, first responders. So that, so even then, as I was still struggling, that that was one of those moments of God's grace really trying to pierce through the exterior of my heart and call me to this heroism of priesthood. It wasn't until actually the middle of my sophomore year when I really was able to do some serious soul searching and with the help of uh, Father Connell, the rector of Bishop White Seminary at the time, finally took that step into seminary joined Bishop White Seminary after my sophomore year. Basically, God persevering through studies and encountering the, uh, the joy of vocation and saying that yes to him and being ordained a priest of the diocese in 2015. Thank you both of you for sharing your stories. Both of you both entered seminary not immediately out of high school, but a little bit later. And so was that experience for you in terms of having time after you were out of your own household Serve and helpful for you, and sort of what's your experience of that meant in your upbringing, both 
Sure, I, I guess I can go first. And I would say it, in some ways, it helped remove the pressure, right? And I think that, that lack of pressure did allow me to um, make a freer choice entering seminary. I'll be honest that part of my discernment of whether or not to go into straight into seminary or go into normal college was actually based on the fact that I happened to be dating in my senior year of high school. It seemed to be a good relationship, and uh, there's a part of me that didn't want to let go of that. At the same time, though, I do know of other men out there who uh, maybe as seniors in high school or, or maybe uh, in their young adulthood in a dating relationship recognize that, well, God's call is so strong, and I, I feel compelled to let go of it. Not to say that this is a toxic, bad relationship, but God has called me to something greater. So I do have great um, respect for those mm -hmm. men and their, their very conscientious work. Um, though, I would say for me, it was it was good for me to get out on my own and begin to develop my sense of faith. And also, actually, you know, a blessing to me, and I found that as a normal undergrad student, was the ability to get to know these men at Bishop White in social context to know that these are not strange, weird guys, but these are normal men pursuing holiness and trying to live a fraternal life in pursuit of that. At the time um, when I would have been in college, there was a freestanding college seminary called St. Joseph's. Something just said that that was too small. Uh, and so I had thought about the possibility of it. It was also uh, a desire I had law school and turning out kind of whiplash of injury attorney, but, but probably certainly a prosecuting attorney. And um, so there wasn't the option like we have here in our diocese where there are men go to um, Gonzaga and then go to Bishop White. This would have been a freestanding, and it just seemed uh, not for me. So I went to USF, which was a Jesuit university, and uh, many of the my friends there um, were which we went to Catholic schools and we commuted in. Uh, I think that's kind of the, a lot of the tradition of urban Catholic universities where people continued living homes and they went to school. So there was an expanded circle of friends. Uh, I worked in college, but when um, <clears throat> I was graduating, uh, applying to law school also, and I talked to a priest I knew, and um, he said, you know, why don't you give the seminary a try now? It's a natural time. You're, you're dating, and uh, she's going off to Europe to study, and it, it would be, you're never the worse off for, for this. Rather than going off to law school and investing in that, and then deciding, well, geez, I want to be a priest. So it, it was, to me, it was one of those natural gifts, and I have found <clears throat> in my work as a, as a vocation director and my own life when, before a man enters a seminary, there's always that sense of sacrifice that Father Batista was talking about, kind of a giving up of something. But I think the Lord always allows you at least one thing he allows you to complete. And uh, for me, it was this natural time to delay entrance to law school and to, uh, to, to enter uh, a seminary, which, I'll be honest, I didn't like the, the first year much at all, but it was the second year uh, that was very good. And... and um, I'm very grateful for the uh, several of the priests on the faculty, the Sulpician Fathers, for their guidance, their patience, and um, it was very important for me. And I've heard that um, you had applied to Gonzaga Law School. Too. I did. When we when we were selling the family home in San Francisco, my mom had kept in her own archives. I have my own myself. 
uh, letters of acceptance, both undergraduate. When I graduated from uh, Sacred Heart, it was a Christian Brothers Boys School, and most guys went to St. Mary's College, which is Christian Brothers. But my first choice was Gonzaga, then St. Mary's, and USF. I ended up to USF. And for law school, it was once again Gonzaga. And um, so I was accepted there and USF, but my first choice would have been Gonzaga Law School. Yeah, well, I bring that up because I have seen, unfortunately, uh, Steve Bishop, a lot of connections between San Francisco and Spokane and between you and Spokane mm -hmm. and all these different places. And now with our seminarians going to your alma mater, St. Mm -hmm. Patrick's Seminary and University, I wonder if you could share a little bit about St. Patrick's. Sure. University. Thank you, Mitchell. If, if you look to the um, history of the Church in the Northwest, it's interesting. St. Patrick's Seminary trained um, a number of the men in the Northwest. In fact, um, there is the um, Bishop Condon, who is related to the Connolly family, and, and I think Mary Connolly's uncle. Uh, her two uncles were priests. They went to St. Patrick's Seminary, and one ended up, I think, the Bishop of Great Falls Billings. So there has been a connection that um, has been long established over the years. I reconnected. It's one of the few things the bishop's allowed to do, and that is to decide the theologates. And um, having been there and a, a board member, um, and to me it was a good choice. Our guys like it. We have Deacon Andy O'Leary there, and Deacon O'Leary is actually assigned on the weekends to my home parish, St. Brendan's, and uh, doing very well there. We have Andrew Kelly uh, there, uh, Nicholas Magarelli, uh, Josh Jackson, Jackson is there. So we have four men. So St. Patrick's um, has the advantage of being the only theologate, uh, perhaps at least in the western part of the country, west of the Mississippi, where it, it's so close to a number of dioceses. It's the further south of the Archdiocese, San Francisco, and then um, the next diocese is uh, San Jose. To the east is Oakland, Stockton. To the north, Santa Rosa, Sacramento. Um, so it's very uh, advantageous to have that experience uh, for the men. So our men like it, and uh, it seems to be a good program. And, uh, we're hoping that uh, the numbers will increase of our own seminarians to seminary. But I'm not closed off to, once again, reestablishing a relationship with Theological College with Father Patrice Day, one Father Colin or other priests, um, as well as uh, Mount Angel. Well, welcome back to the show. Uh, and Bishop Daly here with Father Pat Ratchewiste, and we're talking about vocations in the diocese and beyond. And um, one of the questions that I think a lot of faithful Catholic families have about vocations is, how can I help promote a culture of Sure. And first and foremost, I would for those families, I would say thank you for even asking that question because I think that is so crucial. Oftentimes, it may seem to be the case that it's all on the vocation director. There's one priest uh, designated by the bishop to, by his uh, lonesome, by his sheer willpower, cultivate these vocations. But in many cases, by the time a man comes to me, uh, inquiring about seminary or, or pursuing an application, uh, he's had so many encounters along his life that has formed him and has given him the, the knowledge and the faithfulness, the virtue to even say that initial yes, right? And so yes, having that culture of vocation established from a 
is so important. And, and that's been a, something that I've been, a question I've been wrestling with as well, I'll be honest, because I, there is, there's at least an intuitive sense that if you can build up a culture that is kind of this, this self-sustaining environment or atmosphere in the various communities of our diocese from bigger diocesan level to our schools and then to our, our parishes and to our families, then there, there could be a vibrancy to and the potential for people, for young men uh, answering the call to priesthood, for men who are religious life, young women responding to the call to a religious life as well. Um, so what can that look like? And I think the key thing is that I've been trying to well, encourage people is first and foremost to start from the foundation of discipleship. The idea that even before you talk about vocations, we need to know that that God has called us into a into relationship with him, a life-giving relationship that, that leads us to our happiness, to our joy. And from that, there, there should be a, a foundation of trust and honesty and humility before the Lord, which then sets the foundation for discernment. And then that's where we can, and to normalize conversation about you know, priesthood, religious life, vocation, call, and to normalize conversation about those sacrifices that we make, and not to presume um, one particular future for the children or, or otherwise, right? Sometimes um, parents may unwittingly talk about when, when we have grandchildren, right? Or when you have family of your own. But honestly, humbly, we don't know that for our children. And, and then ultimately, to guide people to decisions, recognizing that the decision to even apply to seminary, let alone to become a priest, is follows after a long chain of other decisions. And I think, especially we look at the younger generations, teaching and inculcating the ability to make decisions right, on their own, I think is so important. And that's also a topic of our time. So, so in short, discipleship, discernment, decisions. That, those are three things I'd like to promote in all our I think the uh, aspect of, of sacrifice is very important. You're in a family, you learn, um, you don't always get your way. And that's one of the challenges of, of perhaps smaller families and also maybe wealthier Catholic families where the emphasis is not on sacrifice. And um, when you place others ahead of you, when you realize that you're not the center of the, the universe, there's a humbling that Father mentioned very big on the aspect of humility. We all uh, need to work on it, and it's not um, the humility of, you've heard me say, of certain religious orders that take great pride in their humility. It is the humility that comes from uh, St. Vincent de Paul, that um, humility is truth. And so it is for us to develop a strong parish life, which allows to strengthen the prayer life of the family, knowing that today, Family life is very complex. We have seminarians and we have priests whose parents were split up. And uh, that is more common uh, in occurrence than maybe some people realize. We also have, uh, I'm just looking at our seminarians, we have seminarians from, uh, you might say, upper middle class families, larger family. Uh, but there is an aspect of vocation that I believe the individual who may, the young man feeling the call, who maybe even has now applied and entered into the seminary, they're not always aware, and this is a good sign when they're not always aware, 
just how significant it is that they even felt the possibility of a call, that they put forth the effort to meet with the vocation rector, to, to apply to the seminary. And I often, when I celebrate Mass with Bishop White, um, don't underestimate um, the divine in all of this. And I think that's significant because we live in this culture where people want to have everything figured out. Maybe that's the challenge of technology. Man becomes the creator and not God. And there becomes this constant emphasis on distraction, speed. Well, God is very much into patience. And um, a culture of faith involves sacrifice, patience, humility, prayer. And there's also, though, an aspect that there is a normalcy that we're looking for in this. And I know Father and I often talk about our vocation mission. We want our priests to be men who could be credible husbands and fathers. A good seminarian should look like a good son, nephew, um, brother. And we don't want the priesthood, although we know that the Lord chooses the weak and makes them strong, we don't want a collection of misfits. Um, because honestly, not only that doesn't sell in America, it doesn't sell in the church. And uh, that's why we have to allow our Lord to, to work through us, and he will. What, again, as a bishop, vocations are in my top three priorities, and it's not a morning or a night that I'm not praying for vocations because I know our Lord said, um, beg the harvest master. And that is a very strong word, beg, and um, I often think of Mary, they have no more wine. You know, my prayer, Mary, we have not the seminarians we need. We don't have the priests that we need. And we're to ask for her intercession and the saints. So we're very, God gives us what we need. He gives us the path. He gives us the challenge. But we have to do our part to respond. And Bishop, on that point regarding begging the Master Harvest through the intercession of the Blessed Mother, I recall that I think it was Bishop Topol earlier on, uh, he had asked the diocese to pray a Hail Mary after, after attending Holy Mass. And so I would just say for my own personal devotion, when I'm doing my acts of Thanksgiving after Mass, I've been beginning the practice of praying one Hail Mary after Mass for vocations. And for the listening audience, I would maybe encourage you to consider adding that to your devotions after Mass. Not that I want to one-up you, but maybe we uh, add the extra decade of the rosary that St. Bernadette uh, and Lord said, which we've been speaking about. And uh, maybe one Hail Mary after Mass, but one decade extra decade, uh, just asking for uh, the intercession uh, of our Lord and the, and the great saints that we have uh, of John Vianney and Vincent de Paul. Well, before we close the show, I'd like to bring up one last thing, which is the new vocations formation program that we have under development here in Spokane with Give Me Paul. Bishop, can you share just a little bit more about that and what's happening? Sure. Uh, when I was on the uh, the clergy consecrated life and vocations, CCLV, we were looking at drafts from the Holy See on what's called Procreative Gear, which our listening audience uh, has um, heard, maybe recalls the, the radio show with uh, Father Barnett, rector at Bishop White. Their Procreative Gear is this time of preparation. It's very clear it's needed to be in another building. So the diocese, the seminary purchased um, what had been the old convent of St. Aloysius. It's uh, on the block behind Bishop White. And this building needs to be renovated. Uh, we need your prayers, your generosity uh, 
to do this, but it will be a program of, they don't call it a spiritual boot camp, but in many ways it's helping men on, on the, out of high school, uh, perhaps with very little college. Um, it is an opportunity for them to grow in holiness. And as Father mentioned, discipleship, brotherhood, service. It's not really an academic year. It is more of a, of a year of preparation spiritually. So that program uh, will begin officially in the fall of 22, we're hoping, as this building needs to be renovated. The program at St. Patrick's Seminary, they began their probatic year, which would be for men with already college degree or work experience, and they're renovating a similar building, but right now they have them in a separate wing of the seminary. But this is a program that uh, the Holy See has asked to be implemented in, in all the dioceses and seminaries across the world. And it is meant to address those challenges that uh, we're facing, the inability to make commitment, um, perhaps a lack of a sense of service, brotherhood, uh, a deepening of prayer. So our program here at Bishop White will serve the dioceses of the West for the younger candidate. And uh, we hope to be able to roll out this program in the fall of uh, 22. Again, and I just would encourage the listening audience, please pray for our diocese, pray for our seminarians and those in discernment, and know that, please, we pray together for all of our families to grow in holiness. Lord be with you. With your spirit. Amen. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Walking in Faith with Bishop Dalen is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking in Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist and can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.